Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN magazine, LD at Large. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I'm here today with my brand new friend, Chadrick Fellers of Wasted Potential. Uh, we've ever we've never actually met in person. We have been w- well aware of each other online in the past. And uh, this is the best time to just kind of reach out to anybody. If you are sitting online and you're looking at somebody you want to learn more about, click them up, hit them up and uh, give them a call. This is the best time to do it. There is no, there is no excuse to not be reaching out to anybody. Everybody's at home. Everybody wants to talk. So thank you so much for making the time, Chadwick. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is, we'll have to change it post quarantine, but this is definitely a good time to uh, become friends with some new people virtually, and then uh, hopefully not virtually afterwards. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, a, a digital beer is not nearly as good as an actual beer that we could. Yeah, yeah. Be sharing. <laughs> it's got to work for now. So one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you is because looking at your website, you are so diverse. You've got your fingers in a little bit of everything in our industry, which has got to be a blessing and a curse at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Having, uh, it, it, it kind of has all happened organically as well. It's just, you know, I started off booking concerts uh, back in the day, which I'm sure we'll go more into. And then that transition into tour managing for a few years and doing merch and just kind of being on the road, being helping with whatever. And I noticed, you know, some, some artists and, and managers take a specific liking to just being uh, someone who's kind of a, a little bit of a jack of all trades and wearing multiple hats, especially on these tours I was on in these smaller, uh, you know, vans and SUVs and, and stuff. So uh, just kind of naturally learned a bunch of different things. And now we do a number of things in, in the touring realm and some non-touring realm stuff too, but mostly all in the music geared around music and, and artists. And uh, right now it's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, every us and our whole team and no one's uh, really out on the road right now. So everyone's just kind of at home waiting for this thing to hopefully go over, but we'll see how it is on the other side. Mm-hmm. So your diversification, was that by design or did you fall into that? Was that always your business plan? Uh, no, no, there was really no business plan. Wasted potential started. Uh, <laughs> I'm, myself, I'm a huge sports guy and I, I just wanted to work in the sports realm. I'm from a very, very, very small town outside of Chicago called Freeport. We're actually the Freeport Pretzels is our mascot. It's actually literally a, pre- a pretzel guy. Somebody voted for the Yeah, I don't no no clue i think there was just a pretzel factory there that's kind of what the whole town was revolved around back in the day 
tiny, it's definitely tiny not as ferocious as say a tiger or a screaming eagle. You got the yes, pretzels. Yeah. And we would actually play the Monroe cheesemakers uh, <laughs> every year. And I think they, <laughs> I think they play, they put shit on ESPN and stuff. <laughs> that was, that was our town. We were, that was, that was Sounds it. like it belongs on the Ocho or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably somewhere in there. Um, right on. But, uh, but, uh, but we digress. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I grew up there um, and, you know, no one in our town had ever been in the music industry or done anything that I know of. So uh, I, I kind of just strive to play sports and just have a good time with my friends and maybe coach sports locally down the road. I ended up going to Columbia College in Chicago and uh, there I met um, one of my best friends, Jake Reeder, and we just kind of became in love with the city I'd stay in the dorms and we ended up getting into uh, throwing concerts somehow did that. And then we just came up with wasted potential because my, um, my grandma was like, you know, you're wasting your potential doing these little tours and, uh, and concerts like, what, what are you doing? You should be being a lawyer or a doctor or something. And, you know, and the bread maker, I was like, all right, we didn't have a company name, so we just drew a little squiggly face and slapped wasted potential on there, and then uh, that's kind of what happened. But but we just booked concerts for a long time, and then we ended up getting really good at uh <clears throat> of guerrilla promotions because we were college kids ourselves. So we'd uh, throw shows in Madison, Wisconsin, Iowa City, St. Louis, Chicago, and uh, uh, University of uh, Illinois over in Champaign. Um, and Illinois State. So we'd basically just take mega buses or the Amtrak around there because we were just broke college kids. Uh, flyers under the under the dorms, go to the go to the parties, give away tickets, and these shows started to sell out because they just wanted to go and have fun. We'd have like little popsicle stick heads and do give away a bunch of shirts and and do a bunch of fun stuff. So we just thought we were going to be concert promotions team for a while. Um, and then I got into tour management when we booked an artist who wanted me to uh, go out with him just to show him how things kind of went on the everyday, you know, sound check and whatnot. And then it was this guy, Selmo, who ended up having a song called Ride that went platinum uh, um, about six, seven years ago. And I was 19 and I ended up touring the country with him. Uh, we ended up on Jingle Ball and all that type of stuff. So I'm 19 years old, tour managing this artist in, <clears throat> in arenas. And uh, then he needed production. So I taught, my, taught myself that with, uh, uh, we knew Lee Duck and he uh, kind of put together a little lighting thing. I would set it up and I got really interested in it. And then that turned into video walls and lasers and, and everything. So it's kind of just like a little stepping stone. So along the way, I'm like, oh, sure, I'll learn this just to try and just make it through. And, and now we, I retained all that knowledge. So I was able to bring in, in a lot of my friends and teach them those things. And now they're, you know, I don't go out and tour manage anymore, really, ever. So I have, we have a you know, team of uh, maybe 20 tour managers and they'll just be out there. They'll let me know if they need anything. I'll help with the budgets and build the production and whatever. And it's off to the races. That's a great way to build a company is you build it by necessity. You say, yeah, I'm exactly. a tour manager. I've learned how to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to train somebody else and I want to take a small cut of what they're doing and I'll get them the gig. That's a very natural progression. A lot of the major CEOs and CFOs have that exact same path. That's, it sounds like you're on a, a very good 
but Tav, it sounds like your potential is not being wasted. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's Grandma. Kind of the funny, the funny thing, yeah. R.I.P. Um, that's the greatest uh, part of it. Now is you know my parents will come to a show and I'll even let my dad hit hit busk and hit buttons for like one of the openers or something, um, and they get a kick out of it. It's totally transformed now. You know, they they finally saw. I think they came to the first, uh, you know, some big show or something uh, at the Aragon in Chicago, and they're like, "Wow, this is like." 4,000 people maybe that you maybe you're not you know a fuck up so uh it, it it's good now it's it's one it's of the running. things i find kind of interesting is that most people will start uh-huh. the other way they'll start as a stagehand and then move their way up to concert promotion but it sounds like you that wasn't the path for you it sounds like you just had a natural flair yeah. for throwing parties yeah yeah we uh i mean i was so uh ignorant to concerts going into this i mean i i thought the artist just showed up with a couple friends and went on stage they leave stage and then and then that's it but uh getting into this um because i had only been being from a small town i'd only been to maybe two or three concerts in my life and they were you know a couple were in these small venues and or the uh, the united center in chicago so it's like i i just was completely oblivious to everything in the in that uh realm but me and my buddy jake we would just hang around in the chicago dorms and uh uh this one of our artists that we were fans of this guy mike stud back in the days a former baseball player small small artist uh but he was on facebook and his manager was like anyone in the chicago area if you book concerts uh reach out to us so completely uh lied to this guy hit him up and we're like yeah we book shows um you know we'd love to book you in chicago and then he hits back he's like oh really sure um let us know where and when you have an offer so we called every every venue in the city and this little spot called reggie's uh reggie's uh rock club i think is the name of it uh 500 cap room they're like, uh, we're completely booked, but if you want to throw a concert, a matinee concert at like 2.30 p.m. on a Sunday, go for it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Concerts probably happen then. No, I had no clue. Concerts were, you know, only night events, really. So we threw a Sunday 2.30 p.m. show for this guy, and we just forced everyone in our college to go. So there was, it was like 300 people there, which is like one of the biggest shows this guy's ever done. <laughs> and then he he's like, what the hell are these kids doing? So they brought us to St. Louis. We went around the dorms. We did the same thing there. Got, a, you know, an, a, a bunch of people to go to these shows. And then uh, I used a couple relationships with his manager to book other artists. So we started booking people like uh, Logic, Chance the Rapper, um, Hobson, uh, Asher Ross, Sammy Adams, a ton of artists who went on to have a lot of commercial success. I mean, Logic and Chance the Rapper, those guys have played Madison Square Garden. And um, I was able to retain my relationships with the, both of those uh, teams and ended up working with them on the other end in the production world, which is just wild because to go through all these different different lanes but uh yeah concerts is where we got our got our start and we want to go back there but do it in in unique ways you know like uh concerts without phones and we want to want to do some intimate stuff with some of the artists we work with uh in the future for sure that is amazing how did how did you go from knowing nothing about it to actually putting up the money and then being willing to take the investment and take the gamble on putting on shows that's that's a huge leap of faith 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, the money factor was real. Um, it's real. Me and my friend had had no had no money. I I'm not from a, a rich family by any means. And I had I graduated uh, high school and I had sold my car and moved to the city. And so I had about five hundred to a thousand dollars in my uh, savings account, and I just put it all on the line. And I and I remember um, uh, my friend Jake did too to invest a thousand dollar deposit for logic. I remember sending that money. I was like, holy shit, hopefully this doesn't, you know, screw up. Went to the bank. I'd never sent a wire in my life, but I sent a thousand dollars over to their, to their agent, um, put the show on, on uh, sale. And fortunately it did really, really well. So that was able to make us, you know, uh, another grand. So it just kind of slowly went up. And then I'll never forget, uh, today's 420, isn't it? So it, is. it was a 420 show. This would have been, this would have been in 2013. So seven years ago today, we booked a kidding show in St. Louis that for, he had a huge record and uh, we thought it was going to do really well. And it just completely bombed. I didn't even have the money to pay this artist at the end of the night. Because we relied on being such a small niche promoter, you rely on the ticket sales to allow you to pay the rest of the other half to the artist. And for some reason, this show just completely tanked. And uh, I, I'll never forget that. that. That night is when I was like, all right, I think I'm good on the promotions game. I think I'm going to just go tour match. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, you're the, taking the all the risk on your real. own. You're uh, unless yeah. you're a conglomerate, it's really tough to take those yeah, risks. Yeah, exactly. And then a lot of the artists we would work, we would book shows for, like Logic and Chance the Rapper. As soon as they would level up, uh, they'd want to go play the House of Blues, and we, you know, that's a Live Nation venue. So Live Nation or AED would just scoop these artists up. We'd never see them again. So you're you're essentially an A and R and a concert promoter because you have to know mm-hmm. the next artist that is going to succeed. And we were good at that, but man, it was, it was tough, man. Shout out to all the, the independent promoters out there because that, that industry is, is really, really tough. Yeah, as soon as you get to a, a next level, you're either going to get bailed on or you have to, take, you have to make a decision that's going to be against your own interests because you want to see these artists succeed, but you also know that they, they don't have the business savvy to take themselves to the next level. They kind of need you. And then by the time they're at another level, somebody's going to scoop them up. Exactly. It's a tough yeah. game. They, they don't, they don't want to leave you, but they have to, because that's just, they got to play the game. You got to go, got to go dance with live nation and AG to, to get up to that next level. Yeah. So that was, that was uh, interesting times back then, but you know, there was no knowledge. We were just kids had no clue what I was doing, but we liked throwing concerts and I just liked, it, it was fun. And it was, you know, it, it we weren't really making any money, but it was fun. And we had a lot of friends coming and they're like, wow, you guys have the coolest job. Like, oh, nice. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I mean, I was 19, so really young kid. I'm glad you're able to transfer that passion into the production side, because at least with production, you have a slightly better chance of collecting no matter what. Yeah. As the promoter yeah. or A&R, you have no guarantees that you're going to get paid. But yeah, on exactly. the production yeah. side, at least you, you might have a contract or an email that says, hey, I'm going to get paid this much. Exactly. And that's why I ended up liking this field, too, is um, I just always thought the promotions thing was so backwards. Like we'd have a show that sells out immediately online and you wouldn't have to touch anything. You would you would be not working essentially to make money. 
And then when an, when a show is struggling, you'd be out there busting, hustling. So you'd be working to make less money and not working to make more money. So I always thought it was so backwards. It's a lot and, like roulette uh, I didn't really like that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'd be out on the, on the streets being like, man, I hope I could just make no money on this and even out, um, <laughs> which is just so wrong. <laughs> yeah. There's sometimes it's just where lightning strikes. Sometimes you can put on a show that you've of a band that you've never heard of yeah. 10,000 people show up. And sometimes you, you know, you've got a sure bet and you just didn't know that there's somebody else performing one city over yeah, and could be anything. It could be prom or, or, or finals, college finals. I learned a lot about just like researching and, and how humans work. It's pretty crazy. Like if, if finals were going on, our ticket sales would be so dropped or some, some random big show or something. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild, tough, wild, wild west of an industry. I would imagine even after taking your lumps doing promotion, you still weren't, uh, even entertaining the idea of getting out of the industry. I would imagine you've had some jobs before this that you were like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've uh, put in my, I've put in my uh, fair share of, of crappy jobs. I mean, I worked at Walmart for a couple of years. I worked at Jimmy John's. Um, I would help out at my mom's daycare all the time. So yeah, once I got into the music world, I was like, man, I really do not want to go back. <laughs> so I, I did everything <laughs> possible to not go back essentially but it, was it your drive for throwing parties or was it the music or is it the the artistry what what is it that keeps you in the game uh i think i've always really liked just the event realm of like putting something on like on your computer like we're sending emails and booking these venues and stuff and then you physically get to go and see you know hundreds or thousands of people gathering at something that you helped um, create essentially so just the whole creation aspect and now in the production realm i love it because you know you don't have to be at the forefront of the clout side of it you know so you don't have to be under the spotlight but you can help create a show uh sometimes a massive show and no one has any idea that you were doing it unless you want them to know which i've always really liked that that uh as well so just the whole creation side of it, I would say. How are you able to find so many people that share your passion? It sounds like you have a decent sized team with wasted potential. Yeah, that's been, that now might be my favorite part of it all is uh, giving people, putting people in position to succeed and then you let them succeed. Um, so I'm just taking someone that I feel like is going to be a good part of our team and putting them in the place we have people that don't succeed. There's people that we have to get rid of. Um, it happens all the time, but you know, more times than not, these people succeed and then they become, you know, it's like a giant family we have now. It's pretty awesome. I'd say we have somewhere between 50 and 75 people, you know, of all different fields. That's my favorite part of it too, is like, we will do big get together at the end of the year that we just did our first one and uh, big bear, or I just rent this, you know, like a big ass uh, cabin and uh the top you know 20 25 people can come everything's free with snowboarding and uh paintballing and whatever and uh they're all in a cabin you get to meet a lot of people because you know with touring it's the same you know reasons why we probably haven't met is just you know you all cross and you just you don't really run into each other intentionally so you know you got tour managers meeting lighting people meeting video people meeting sound people so it's it's pretty fun, but that's my favorite part of it now. Um, putting people in place to succeed. 
So if somebody came to you and said, Chadrick, you have the coolest job in the world. I would love to be part of your team. What's the first step that somebody could take to convince you that they belong on your team? We have a, basically a big resume field of people uh, now. I, I think we have maybe about four or 500 resumes that we just, when, when someone hits us up for a job, we basically will go to the people we have. And, and meanwhile, kind of talk with some of these other people, you know, just uh, I think we're going to start to do in this quarantine time is a really good time for myself and some of our, uh, de- our department heads to learn about some of these people that want to get on the road or if, if they're really new um, to teach them some stuff. So I think we're going to start to do some Zoom uh, meetings where, you know, it's it's uh, us talking to maybe 20 people that we select and just learning about them and teaching them how we kind of function. In general, though, honestly, if, if you want to be part of Wasted, if you send, you know, an email to myself or just on our website or on the contact page, um, I'll answer it. I'm super anal about emails. I get I start twitching and stuff if I've got like over 10 unre- unread emails. It's it's really weird. I'm I hopefully someday that changes. But right now I'm like, oh, I've got three emails I need to read them. Like, it's so <laughs> weird. Sometimes before going to bed, my wife asks me, what are you doing? In me, yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to get rid of the red dots on my phone, babe. That's that's all I'm yeah, working on yeah. right now. Yeah. I, I share that with you. Does that happen yeah. a lot? Do people come up to you? They're like, Hey, I see that you're involved in a little bit of everything in this concert. I want to be involved. Can I, can I intern you? Can I, can I just shadow you? Does that happen? Um, yeah, yeah. We have people hit us up all, all the time, almost every day, which I'm super humbled about and honored that people want to be part of part of our team. But, uh, you know, we'll just be like, hey, what? You know, and the cool thing is, too, we've had it's so it's so cool. We'll have someone that starts in the lighting world and they're LDing and then they're like, you know what? Um, I kind of want to try being a tour manager. And we have the ability to just, you know, your lighting, one of our lighting guys, just bam, here, now you're tour managing some small artists and uh, you can go out and if they enjoy it, they can do both at the same time and make a better day rate or uh, just tour manage or just do lighting or whatever. But as far as people hitting us up, uh, yeah, just a, just an email and, you know, we could see what, what you like to do and have a, if you have a resume, uh, even people who have never worked in the music realm, it's, it's, it's more about your personality and putting you in with the right artist and the right team, because almost all of our team members, once they become part of a little artist family, they all, <clears throat> they all just grow together. I can't tell you how many times uh, the turnover rate with these artists uh, is so small, which, I, which is great. It shows that we have good people out on the road. Well, that's great to hear. I will definitely put a link to your website in the notes. If any potential clients are listening, how do you decide to take on which clients? Are you are you very selective? Or are you picking everybody from all different sizes? We are in a good position because our team is so diverse and kind of large that we can work with almost anyone. Of course, you know, if, if, if it's a certain time of the year with Coachella or something else, like last year, we had 12 artists on Coachella, which was just, man, that was one of the, one of the longest weekends of my life, for sure. The first one last year. And when I think we'd be just getting over the last weekend of Coachella uh, today. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, if it was mm-hmm. going on, but uh, yeah, we, we take on almost any work as long as we can because we have a large pool of people that want to get out on the road. So that gives us the ability to kind of take that and, <clears throat> and work with it. 
That's great. So you could do anything from a 250 person show to a, I would imagine Coachella's a hundred thousand. Sounds like you have a very diverse background that you can accommodate any size. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my favorite part of it is definitely uh, working with artists that start off in the 250 cappers that we're working with, we're tour managing them. We're maybe doing some, a few lights and production and then watching them grow over the span of, you know, five, six years, we've had at least 10 artists who start off with us from that, that range. And now they're playing the Coachellas and they're playing, you know, arenas or, or, or whatever it is. And those are the most fulfilling for me when you have an arena artist, you know, hit you up. It's great. It's amazing. But there's not that, that, that sense of progression, which I personally get a, a big kick out of watching the, the progression. And they seem to appreciate you a lot more when, when you start off with them from the jump. Are you finding that loyalty still exists in our industry? Are you finding that people will stick with you from 250 to 10,000? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think loyalty exists. When you have a number of clients, uh, like a large number of clients, there's always going to be a little bit of turnover when, when certain things happen. I just pride, pride myself in just being a good human being and being honest, um, not, not you know, trying to take a bunch of money from these artists, especially when they're at a small level. And then, you know, hopefully just let, and letting them know that, that we're doing it that way. And then on the other side, there's usually a sense of loyalty and appreciation. So I would say, yeah, I think, I think so. That's good to hear that uh, loyalty and integrity are still <clears throat> thriving. That makes me smile quite a bit. That's good. When you have a 250 person venue artist come in, how do you encourage them to kind of get over the hump and kind of take the steps necessary to get to the 10,000 venue. I would imagine you have to really take them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty cool. We have enough uh, experience now to where uh, these people listen to us um, most of the time. So I, I think it's just getting them in a habit of investing in your show early. So even in a 250 cap room, yeah, you might be playing, you know, Echo or something in LA, just some small, small little room but you can still put a, a few pieces of gear up there or go get a cloth and paint on it or put some you know black light ink on it or just something creative and uh getting it's like uh it's like teaching like a puppy like you know tricks and stuff it's like it's <laughs> a right, great metaphor once you start to you know you, you're teaching them at such a young young state in their artistry that as they grow, um, they're willing to invest in their show and put on a good show. And they're thinking like a lot of the artists we have now, like we'll text, they'll go to a show or they'll be watching something or at a museum and they'll text me like, yo, this was so cool. We should do something like this. And that gets me hyped up when they're reaching out to me thinking about a future tour that we're going to put together. Uh, that just gets me going because I get excited I'm a believer in like whatever energy you give someone, they're going to give back to you. So mm -hmm. if they're, you know, if, if they're stoked to be putting on a, on a show and building a show, I'm going to be stoked right there with them. And we're just working together. on. Do you ever have a hard time convincing them that production value adds value to their show? I would imagine you get a fair of them amount. They're like, Hey, look, I'm, I've been doing just fine. Me and my amp and a drummer. <laughs> Why do I need all this extra stuff? I, I get enough people. They love me enough, but just me and an acoustic guitar. And you're like, well, yeah, that's great. But if you need a, if you're going to fill a bigger room, you're going to have to spend some money. Yeah. You, sure. you, can, you run into that wall 
fairly often. Yeah, we definitely do. Uh, but thanks to social media and, uh, you know, the Instagrams and, and whatever else out there, uh, these artists these days are seeing their peers on there and they're all just wanting to go, you know, they're like, Oh, well, this artist did this. I wonder if we can do this. And then you just have to let them know. Yeah, they did that, but they spent money. You're going to have to do it as well. Some of them won't. And then maybe we'll just tour manage them and we won't spend money on our production yet, but us tour managing them still gives us the ability to work with them. And then the, the production stuff comes uh, no matter what at, at some point, but uh, uh, so yeah, most of my clientele are, media. are a little bit uh, more established hearing you talk about some of the up and coming bands being totally influenced by social media. That's really interesting. No, like how do they go about the, let's see, they see somebody else that they've worked with having a bigger show than them and that motivates them to get a bigger show. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's the same in a lot of other industries as well. You know, like, like bodybuilders or something that see one of their friends out there getting more jacked. They're like, yo, I got to get more jacked like (laughs) yeah it's just it's just you know whatever social media has made it so easy to kind of see your peers and keep up with them so you see one of your peers doing the same venue that you're about to play and then you go look up their show and you're like yo they had a bunch of stuff with them like why we should have a bunch of stuff with us that definitely helps our it helps our argument of being like hey or, you know, I can look up a couple of their peers and send them a video and be like, yo, they were, you know, they had some stuff out there. Like, we got to watch out. You don't want to just be playing on a bare stage. And uh, yeah, yeah. So shout out to YouTube and, and Instagram and all that stuff. It's definitely made it made it a lot easier uh, to kind of keep up with, you know, whatever else is whatever else is going on. Yeah, you can actually go online and show them how much bigger of an impact the production value is you can actually show them that look i can make that moment more impactful by adding x amount of production gear uh just some lighting and a backdrop and next thing you know they're going to want a video wall they're going to need they're going to need another person yeah 100 percent yeah once they once they realize they need a video wall you're going to well that comes with a person i've got a person for that it sounds like a good place to take people to the next level yeah, yeah, we're 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 blessed to be in the shape of um, uh, I just call them baby steps with all the artists when we start to work with them from a small stage. Like, you know, you we have an automated lighting package as well system that we send out, and uh, it doesn't require an LD. So one of our tour managers typically operates it and sets it up. So at a two hundred fifty cap level, it allows you to have some lighting. You can't tap into the house rig, but you have you know a few lights on stage that are synchronized. And then you can move up to a thousand, maybe have an LD with you. You move up, you know, to two or three, four thousand. Then you start to have a crew, and uh, it's it's fun. It's those per, that progression that we were talking about, which is really really fun to be able to grow with these artists, and and it's so fun. I, I think some of the my favorite moments are when an artist comes into a room and and sees their production for the first time after never having production before. So you walk into a room and you have even just a, f- a few lights on the ground synchronized to your music. They always, they always lose it. It's, it's so funny. Give me an example. Like uh, this, this artist, Chelsea Cutler, uh, when she came, cause we, another artist that we've started, she, you know, her first tour, she opened up for another one of our artists, which we're starting to see a lot of. Uh, she opened up for Quinn 92 
playing, you know, they were playing like Terminal 5 in some big rooms. But uh, the first, I remember the first tour we did together, uh, she was like, I really want something. We got on Amazon and got a red light bar, just one single red light bar. She's like, yo, this is so sick. Next tour she does on her own. Uh, we get a bunch of an array of uh, LED strips and we put some frosted tubes on them. She walks in the room, sees, sees one of her songs all time coded out and she's losing her mind. And then, you know, the next run, then we add video to, to another rig. And then it's just funny. It's like you see these artists freak out when you add something or add a laser or a special effect. And they're just like, yo, this is so crazy. That sounds very And it fulfilling. gets me excited. Yeah, that's, that's the moment of, of realization where you're like, man, this is like making a difference in how they perform, which makes a difference to their fans. So technically, we're making a difference to the fans, which is what it's all about. That's awesome. When it comes time to uh, facilitate content creation and video, can you still, you can still facilitate that? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the tours we do, I love collaborating, but it, it's also fun when our, when our whole team gets to do a tour of, uh, you know, where we get to do everything from tour management to lighting to uh, sound uh, visuals, everything, you know, production management. Uh, those are, those are really fun because it's a giant family we have and you get to get everyone involved on it. So it's like working with your best friends, but yeah, we do it all the time. We'll, we'll make custom content for kind of whatever. We have a bunch of, uh, people, um, in our network and on our team that we just, you know, get a, get a big Google sheet going or something. And everyone just kind of takes some songs and, and runs with it, uh, with whatever notes we have. Right on. Who usually takes the lead when there's uh, content and lighting and stage design all coming from from wasted potential? Um, I usually will. I'll usually run the point, and then we'll have. You know, I'll just. I, I like to just let let a lot of our uh, people do their thing. Uh, but I'll, I'll just kind of check in. You know, we'll we'll do V ones, V twos, V threes on on video. So I'll watch it and make notes, and then the artists will make notes and the management team will make notes. Uh, luckily I know how to program light lighting myself as well. So I can help there and know, know the technicalities and, and stuff like that. I think a, a lot of good leadership these days in our modern era comes from being able to also do the thing that you're leading. A lot of, a lot of bosses back in the day um, that you see didn't necessarily know you're, you're, you're more reliant on your people and you don't have that uh, tech savvy. You can't communicate in like, if I, I know what gobos and prisms and, and zoom and all these lighting terms, like if I was just some, you know, some creative director somewhere who doesn't know all that stuff, where you're just like, Oh yeah, make it green. And you can't really get across exactly what you want. Um, that's one thing I've noticed uh, sometimes. So it's good to have the experience as well as an LD who's toured. I know how to clone shows and, done you know all, all range sizes um it, it helps working with our team and we're all on the same page of how to program within one show file too it sounds like you know just enough to be dangerous on every single one of those it sounds like you know enough to if anybody tries to lie to you you're like no nah, you can do that yeah if somebody tries to say i can't clone yeah. can't clone that you're like yeah you can yeah, that's but, it, 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 yeah, that's nice for sure. Being able to know just enough to get by in, in, in every field, it, it allows you to, to definitely have better conversations and more constructive things with a lot of the team. You got to be careful with getting too much into that. I've run into where it gets too far where uh, the designer knows 
so much that they're kind of piggybacking off the the programmer's job and they're like, nah, you need to do it like this. And you're like, no, you've hired me to be the programmer. So it sounds like you're at the you're walking that very fine line of knowing just enough to be a jack yeah, of all yeah. trades without stepping on anybody's toes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, our people are are in their places for a reason. It's because we trust them. So almost always, I I, I really don't give that much con- constructive criticism. On the visual side, it's a little bit different because the artist is usually a lot more anal about visuals and kind of what's happening when. But as far as lighting, like if it's synchronized and it's a good idea and it has intention, almost never will give notes for that um, um, unless they come from the artist side. You know, definitely have a really good team in place. That sounds very Richard Branson of you. That you're you're really taking care of the people that take care of your clients. Along those lines, <laughs> we got a bunch of good guys. Yeah. Along those lines, how is the business side treating you? Are you good at managing the business side of the show business? Yeah, I enjoy that a lot. I think I think I learned a lot in my years of tour managing um, and production managing of just kind of just knowing the business stuff a lot. My job now, I, I work with a lot more logistical things than I want to. Yep. Whether it comes, from, you know, to, to truck packs, to uh, weights and, uh, you know, things like carnets and, and whatnot, which some of our guys are, are definitely helping with. But I, I've just retained a lot of that knowledge from my years of tour management. So dealing with the business side of it, it doesn't come as hard as it probably should. Um, and I enjoy it. A lot of the managers and stuff we work with are friends of mine. So, you know, there's no no bad blood anywhere or anything. We, in the end of the day, we just want to make the best show we can while making the artists some money and you know giving people some really good jobs and making an impact your story sounds like what the fire festival was supposed to be like they just wanted to throw a big party and they they thought that the artist just showed up and then the lighting just happens and then the fans just show up and everybody parties but it sounds like they skipped all the logistics whereas you actually yeah, have an idea yeah, of the logistics involved and you know the timeline and you know a fair amount about the business side it sounds like if you had been running the fire festival, it wouldn't have ever been, wouldn't have become a Netflix documentary. Man. Yeah. I was almost out there too. I was three days away from being out at fire festival with Ray Shremmerd. Really? Um, yeah. I was going to be out there with him. We were, we were on the bill. I remember the tour manager sending that to me, the, the website. I was like, yo, this looks way too good. What the hell? Like they had these luxurious islands and the videos playing with all the models on the yachts and stuff. I was like, we're going to go out there and play this show. And then uh, Blink-182, we were on tour with The weekend opening up um, and Sooner designed that. I saw Sooner on here too. Shout out to Sooner. And uh, we were the direct support and we were going to leave that tour, go do this show out there. I think, where was it? Was it the Bahamas? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go do that show, jump right back on tour. Um, and then Blink-182 pulled out and then the whole, this whole wave of information came when, when the first batch of people ended up out there, man, that was a crazy few days in our, in our industry, getting to see this whole <laughs> thing unfold and be like, holy shit. Yeah. And you had, you, three days out, you had flights booked and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we were doing, uh, I think it was a private jet out there or something, um, which they were promised us as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it didn't end up happening. Fortunately, we didn't have to actually go on the grounds to see everything 
you know, go down. But a couple of my buddies were out there, which is wild. They got some crazy stories. And what was your role at the time? Were you tour manager? I was a uh, lighting, lighting director. Okay. So you, you didn't have to advance or anything like that. You were. Nah, nah, I didn't have to. I just got a plot, you know, of what they were going to have. And got that's it. about it. Yeah. Wow. That, what an experience to just be. Yeah. I had a gig in Bahamas and I was going to chill and relax and I was going to punt for the day and I was going to hang out in the, it's too good the to tropical be weather. Yes. And then yeah. the rug just got pulled out from under you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. If anybody hasn't seen the, the documentary, it's a really good thing that Chadwick didn't end up going down to the Bahamas. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I don't think the accommodations were going to be nearly what they what they told you it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Boy, they have grilled or they had ham sandwiches, just like yeah. a piece of ham or bologna or something. Yeah, yeah. We're going to stick with the catering on the weekend tour over that. <laughs> but uh, I brought that up because that's a perfect example of what Chadrick Ellers from even twelve years ago would have been like. You're like, well, clearly we just throw money at a party, invite a bunch of friends, a bunch of pretty girls. And a concert just happens. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what you learn that's what people want. Way. That's what we all want us to believe. Exactly. Yeah, it's like that picture that says, you know, what your mom thinks you do, what the public thinks you do, what you actually do, or whatever. Yeah, those are usually pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, you just, you know, I was ignorant to it. Ended up in an industry that uh, I had no idea I would be in as a kid. And just worked hard, man. A lot of touring, a lot, a lot of touring on different levels. You know, the, pro- the proper progression levels, starting off in bands and SUVs and making it to a bus. I remember my first bus tour. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Someone drives for us because I would drive all the time. <laughs> I'd be driving and tour managing and doing lighting on one tour. My phone's going off. I'm trying to send hospitality riders hitting hitting the, you know, curb strips or whatever, rumble strips. And the artist is like, yo, yo, you got to not be on your phone. I'm like, I got to send this rider, man. I'm like driving. Man, those were chaotic days. Uh, but you learn. You learn yep. a lot about what what to do, what not to do. And uh, and then as long as you don't keep making mistakes, I think that's really what, what counts. You can make a mistake as long as you don't consistently make mistakes. That's what kind of separates, uh, separates it. Yeah. So what does the Chadwick Fellers of 10 years from now look like? Are you, uh, are you still as diverse? Are you going to pick one thing? Are you going to you have a bigger team? I think in the future, um, the way we're going right now, just letting things fall into place where they need to, not forcing things. Um, I think we have some interesting things going on. And, you know, I want to have a cool facility in Los Angeles that, you know, I think that can that can uh, abide to our different fields, whether it's like a rehearsal facility, uh, stuff that we can do media, sell merch out of, maybe have a recording studio in there or something. Uh, just generally just growing as a company, not being focused on uh, one field specifically, just letting all of our, you know, all the, it's like a tree just growing in different directions. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy where we are. We have a, re- a bunch of really good people on our team and it's like a giant family, just letting it keep, keep doing what it's doing. Nice. It sounds like uh, you're very open to just saying yes to what is presented to you. 
yeah, whatever the universe throws at you, just say yes or pivot and do something different as it, as it happens. While obviously, you know, you can't be completely ignorant to not having plans. You have to, you have to make plans and goals and things, but overall not putting yourself in a box necessarily, I think is important because we got here by just going with the flow. Why change it? You know, if it ain't broke. That's great advice. I see it all too often where people are in such a rush to get to the next level that they don't realize that they, they, that they missed the escalator to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Or I try and tell some of our guys who become so uh, obsessive compulsive over like, what's the next thing, you know, what, what can I do to be better or, or, you know, how can I be different? It's just like one also enjoy where you're at because some of my best times looking back are in those sprinter vans with, with the, some of my buddies just, just traveling around. Like we were worried about the future then, but I wish I could go back and just be like, yo, embrace where you're at because we are all very, very blessed to work in this industry. Um, like I said, I've worked at Walmart and Jimmy John's like just being able to go and put on a show for even whether it's 200 people or, you know, 20,000, like that is a pretty blessing job in the end of the day. So I think more people in our industry really need to, it's, you obviously have to be focused also on your, on your future and where you're going to end up, but enjoy where you're at because uh, obviously it can be taken away in a day, which it was from all of us. So while it's going on, definitely, definitely be appreciative. I'm grateful. Wow. That is uh, that's very Buddhist of you for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Do you have any last advice for, for Chadwick Fellers of 10 years ago? If you could do an interview with your own 10 years ago, Chadwick Fellers, what would, what would be your, little tidbit. I think it's in I think it's important to stay inspired and um you know go go try different things especially if you're young and you're in your 20s just try anything that's thrown at you you cuz you never know what you're going to fall in love with. I fell in love with designing shows and putting on productions and uh but I had to try a bunch of different things to get there. Um if I would have said no to putting on concerts or tour managing I would have never gotten to uh, to putting on concerts from a production standpoint. So saying yes to things, you know, if, if you being a, you know, if you're a stagehand and you want to try merch or just whatever it is, you, you're never really going to know until, until you uh, give it a shot. That's for sure. Uh, how was it working with juice world? Juice world. Yeah. Um, his team was great. His manager, Pete, uh, hit us up from from a really early stage when he was doing uh, I think under a thousand cap rooms and then we got a we got a good team in there and he grew rapidly man he was growing so fast I remember he I mean, he sold like twenty five thousand tickets in Hartford Connecticut one time on a tour that we were normally doing um, maybe uh, four thousand or three thousand. And we were just like, wow, this kid is like crazy. He's so, he was a really good dude. And we had a lot of, we had, we had probably six or so people on that, on that crew of doing, you know, tour management, uh, sound, lighting, visuals, kind of whatever's out there. So that was, that was crazy, but it, it, it goes to show you again, you got to appreciate where you're at because you never know when things are going to change. Most of those guys ended up out with uh, Trippy Red recently. Uh, so they all kind of pivoted as a family. Yeah, that was, he was a good dude. We we did a lot of really good shows and we got to be part of uh, putting on his uh, 
memorial show at Rolling Loud, which was really special. So uh, he passed away and then he was on Rolling Loud and we worked with them to do kind of like a memorial uh, thing. So he had his girlfriend and his DJ and a, a bunch of artist friends come out and speak. That was really special. Yeah, he's a he's an example of somebody who was just burning the candle at both ends, trying to do everything too quickly yep. and got a little caught up. Yeah, and I think you're going to see a lot of artists now um, kind of knowingly, I'm already starting to see it. I think tours are going to become shorter durations and they're going to, a lot of people are going to do multiple legs. So it's like you go out, you do four weeks, you have maybe another month off and then you go do another leg uh, instead of just hitting eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks straight. Uh, because I, I think humans aren't really necessarily meant to be in a new city every day. And that takes a mental mental toll on an artist, uh, especially, I think, at some points. Yeah, that's far more sustainable. It's sustainable, yeah. You get out there, crank out a, crank out a month, you go home, enjoy yourself, be with everyone, and then you can hit it back, you know, a month, another month. Obviously, there's some costs that come with that, but I think more people are starting to accept those. Right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Chadwick. This has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit and chat with me. It's so good to be able to reach out to people that, I mean, normally who, how often would you have an hour to sit down and chat like this? Yeah. Yeah. On a Monday too, man. Mondays are crazy. Um, But yeah, I appreciate you. Hopefully we can link up after uh, quarantine's over and um, yeah, you've had a lot of really good people on here that I look up to. So I appreciate you putting this on. Right on. Thanks so much for your time.